Hey everybody, Glenn Blakeney here of Kingdom Encounter Podcast. I just want to let you guys know about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. I've been using it for quite some time now and I'm really convinced it's an awesome resource. It's absolutely free of charge. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, for wherever you're watching us, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, the apostle of God who has got us all gathered here tonight. You're going to get a blast. You're going to be blessed. Wonderful teacher of the word of God. Apostle Glenn, we love you, sir. Thank you so much, Bishop. Well, thank you. Well, hey, I know that uh, was a powerful word. In fact, a lot of what Bishop Nelson shared, I had already planned to talk on. We, we honestly had, we did not uh, assign the topics. You know, you talk on this, you speak on this. We didn't compare notes. We just said we're going to come together and we just allow the Holy Spirit to, to uh, share what he wants done. So anyway, I just want to share just a few points with you because, you know, one of the things <clears throat> that I have learned, I am in a place of such freedom and in my life right now. Um, and I feel a lot of it has to do with recognizing your assignment, what God's called you to do, and stepping into that, okay? Because the grace even lifts when you're doing what you're not supposed to be doing. You may have been called to do it for a season. It may have been part of the process of, of preparing you to get where God wants you to be ultimately. And so it's important, but ultimately when you step into that place where you know this is what God has called me to do right now, there is a grace, there is a deposit of his anointing, of his power, of his provision, of his empowerment, so that you can fulfill what he has assigned you to do. The second thing is knowing who you are in him. Knowing who you are in him. I don't need to preach anymore. You know, I used to preach, some of you guys, if you've been in ministry, you remember the days, maybe in Africa you still do this, but we... We would preach twice on Sunday, sometimes three times, four times. I was at a church recently. They do three services, and, you know, and then we do Wednesday night, maybe Friday night, and we, and we got to prepare, and we got to, and, you know, I, I, I honestly, there's such a, a great satisfaction in being able to give yourself to that process of studying the word and being able to step out and deliver what God has given to you. It's really important. It's, it's part of God has created us for, 
for that purpose and that assignment on our life. But I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that because I know. Think about the Apostle Paul. He was in prison and he wrote the epistle of joy. I mean, sometimes we deal with identity stuck to the point like we retire. What are we going to do? We have midlife crisis because we don't have a purpose anymore. We don't know what we are called to do. And there is a place where we have to go in him, where we recognize it's in him we live, we move, and we have our being. My identity does not come from my ministry. My identity is in Christ Jesus himself. And as I step into who I am in him, he is in me and I am in him, then it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter if I'm on a Zoom meeting. It doesn't matter if I'm not preaching, I'm not traveling, I'm not doing ministry because I am satisfied in him. I was in a place in the west coast of the United States several years ago and uh, this pastor had invited me to come and he said, I want you to come. We're believing God for great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're going we're gonna to gather people. People are going to come together. And we're going to just see God move in a powerful way. And we know the Lord wants you to come. And so I ended up, I flew out to uh, Seattle, Washington. And, and I ended up ministering at this church. And we started ministering in the evening. And God's spirit was being poured out. Miracles were happening. And we started meeting in the morning. We were teaching, training, and equipping. And and this went on for a period of several days, and people started coming from far away. I mean, people were driving three, four hours to come and be part of this meeting because they heard what God was doing and the miracles that were taking place. It was a powerful time, and God was doing something so significant, and, and I was just so blessed to be part of what God was doing in that time, and it was multi-ethnic and multicultural and multi-denominational or interdenominational, and it was a powerful thing. But I remember one thing that stood out, one particular event, there were many significant milestones from that time of ministry, was there was a woman that came into the service. It was a Sunday morning. I had not seen her before. She had not attended any of the meetings previously. And as she walked in, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I heard this in my spirit, one accord and one place. One accord and one place. The Lord said to me, you need to tell her that. You need to share that word with her. So I walked up to her, and I said, ma'am, I, I said, I don't know what this means. I said, I'm just going to be obedient to the Lord. But the Lord wants you to know that he's called you to be in one accord in one place. That's the word. So I don't know the application. That's between you and the Lord how to work that out. But one accord, one place. She looked at me, and it was a troubling look. I said, oh, no, she's not happy with that. And I was like, that's so generic. That's so, so you know, general. How would she get offended with that? And and ultimately, she just kind of looked at me, and she was disturbed. She walked away. She went and sat down the other side of the church. And when the service was over, she walked up to me, and she pointed her finger in my face, and she said to me, you know that word that you shared to me? 
She said, that troubled me. That really bothered me. She said, I thought somebody told you. And I said, told me? Told me what? And she said, one accord in one place. Do you know what that means? I said, no, ma'am, I have no idea what that means. I don't know who you are. I've never met you before. God is my witness. I have absolutely no understanding of the application of that word. I'm just a delivery boy. I just did what the Lord told me to do. She looked at me and she said, you see that man right there? I said, that's the pastor. Yeah, I see him. She said, that's my husband. And I said, that's your husband. And I said, we've been having meetings here almost a week, and I haven't seen you once. And she said, that's right. Because several months ago, my husband and I, we got in an argument and a disagreement, and I left, and I took about half of the church with me, most of the women, and I went down the street, and I started my own church. <laughs> And I said, oh, Jesus, <laughs> one accord in one place. And she looked at me and she said, when you told me that, she said, I was certain he told you the backdrop, what had happened. She, you knew about the story. I said, ma'am, I said, I knew nothing. You can talk to him. And he said, God is my witness. I knew nothing about it. But the Lord wants you to know one accord in one place because it's there that he bestows a blessing. We were pastoring a church years ago, and um, God was moving powerfully. Miracles were happening. The services were, were prolonged. People were coming in. You know, the media heard about it. I was interviewed on, on a radio station. I was interviewed on a Christian television program because of what was occurring. And, and it was a powerful thing what the Lord was doing. But then one night after this going on for several weeks, I began to realize in my spirit something just wasn't setting right. Something, something was wrong. And I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I feel the tension I feel like your spirit's being grieved, and Lord, it just doesn't seem that your presence and your power is as real and tangible as it has been uh, the past several weeks. And the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said this. He showed me a scripture. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I believe it's verse 13, where it talks about guarding that precious thing that has been entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that word literally means a treasure or a deposit. And the Lord said to me, you got to guard what I've been doing because there is a work of the enemy to try to snuff out the fire of God and to, to, to literally put to an end this outpouring of my spirit. You've got to guard. And that word guard literally in the New Testament means to keep watchful, to keep your eye on something so that intruders aren't able to, to have access. The Lord said, people are fighting against me in the name of religion and my spirit is grieved. A few weeks later, it all came out. There was a movement underfoot to try to get me out as being the pastor. 
and there was an attack against one of the other leaders in the church with lies, gossip, and slander. And the Lord said to me, my spirit is grieved. My spirit is quenched. I want you to think about that. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, Paul said, quench not the spirit. Think about this. That we, as human beings, can quench the Holy Spirit. We can hinder, we can curtail what the Spirit of God is doing. Another translation says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't put out the fire of God. That, that we have the capability to be able to put out the fire of God. You know, Paul said elsewhere, stir up the gift of God that is within you. Stir it up. So there has to be a stirring up. In the, in the natural, there's two ways that a fire goes out. First of all, by failing to add fuel. If we don't put fuel on the fire, ultimately that fire will burn out. Or secondly, you can throw a wet blanket on a fire. You, you can extinguish it. You, you can do it in that way as well. And either way, the fire goes out. The end result is the same. Grieve not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. We grieve the Spirit, Ephesians 4. The context talks about the way we live, the, the words we speak, when we gossip, when we, when we speak unbelief, when, when we harbor bitterness, when we live in immorality, when we do all of these things, when we lie, then the Bible says ultimately we grieve the Holy Spirit. But we quench the Holy Spirit by despising prophecy. We quench the Holy Spirit by not giving thanks continually to God. We quench, we put out the Spirit's fire by failing to live a lifestyle of prayer and communion with the Lord. All of these things put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. But one of the greatest hindrances to the fire of God burning throughout the world is when we see ourselves merely as individual Christians that have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and we're concerned about our calling, our destiny, who I am in Christ, but we fail to see the bigger picture that we are actually part of a family, we're part of a body, and that we need one another, and that God's glory will never be manifested and demonstrated on the earth if we live merely as autonomous individuals doing our unique and individual assignments. You see, when Jesus was on the earth, he is the head. He had a body, right? But then when he left, he said, here's the deal. He said, I'm going to, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll send my spirit. But my spirit, because the spirit needs a body. Do you understand that? A spirit needs a body. Demon spirits need a body. And the Holy Spirit needs a body. And we cannot do what God has called us to do without being a body. 
Holy Spirit, just come and do what you want to do. He said, no, no, no. I need a body. Now, the scripture teaches, I, I don't have time tonight to go into all of this, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go there tomorrow morning. But the scripture teaches that we are individual members, or in other words, we are, we are the anatomy of the body, but together we are a body. And so when we look at, and I just want to point you very briefly to, to Ezekiel chapter 37 here, we see that the Lord comes to the prophet and takes hold of him and carries him away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And he leads the prophet all around among the bones that cover this valley floor. And the scripture says they were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again. Can these bones live? How many know this story, right? Okay. okay. Now, here's what I want you to see. Ezekiel is taken by the Spirit of the Lord, and he's literally dropped down into this valley, and he looks. It's like a desert, and he sees all of these bones. The Scripture says there are many bones. There are very many and it says they are very dry. So we see, first of all, there is a problem here from the very beginning that we are dealing with dry bones. When you go back into Ezekiel, it says in the sixth chapter that God had, had promised because of their idolatry that he would slay them and he would scatter their bones. That's what he said. And their bones would be bleached in the sun as a result of their idolatry and their forsaking God. So now the Lord, he kept good on his promise, but now he's speaking hope. If you continue, I, I don't have time to go through this chapter here, but I've, I have taught on it extensively and, and, and recently even. But when you look at this, you see very clearly that what this is about is about a people that have lost hope. And then he talks about how the, the two nations, the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom, God is saying basically that, that there's going to be a coming together again. And God is speaking of a unification. God is speaking of seeing his people come together. Today, I don't know if I have the faith that Ezekiel had. I mean, listen to this. The question is, Son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> I, I would have said, no. And no, I don't, I don't think so. Lord, there's 450 50 kinds of Baptists. Uh, how are we going to bring these bones together? I mean, Lord, how, how are we going to bring all of these different churches and people and denominations and leaders together but I don't really think that was the question he was asking. He said, can they live? He didn't say, can they come together? He said, can they live? Now, interestingly, the way we deal with things is we often look at the promise, and we need to look at the promise, but we neglect the process. 
For every promise, God has, there is a process in his word. See, every problem you have, God has a promise. Every problem. No matter what it is, God has a promise. But there's also a process. You see, God is faithful to his promise. He is. Let God be true, every man a liar. God is not a man that he would lie. You see, God is faithful to his promise, but he calls his people to be faithful to the process. A lot of us are standing here passively saying, God, when are you going to do what you promised? And God is saying, I will do what I promised when you do what you are supposed to do in the process. And what we're doing is we're waiting for God when we should be waiting on God. And there's a big difference. It's not those who wait for God shall be raised up with, you know, shall receive new strength, shall be renewed. It's those who wait on the Lord. You know what that means to wait on someone, right? A waiter waits on someone. A waiter is connected to an assignment. A waiter is doing something active. They're engaging in a process, in other words. So, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord, yeah, you alone know the answer to that one. <laughs> you alone know the answer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Lord, yeah, you know. Uh, he said to me again, again. You know, sometimes we're like God says something, and we're like God. I don't know about that, and we just hope He drops the whole subject. <laughs> And the Lord said, no, you're not getting off that easily. We're going we're gonna to keep going here because this is important. So he says to him again, again, son of man, can these bones live? Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath, listen to this, breath to enter you, into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. You're going to know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So what we see here is this prophetic word is released about God doing something powerful, bringing together a people Causing these dry bones to live. This is revival. This is life. This is restoration. This is God doing something that no man could do, no church can do, no leadership can do. This is God doing what only the Spirit of God can do. And this is the promise. But then he says, you need to prophesy. You need to speak into this. So the prophet, 
prophesied as he was commanded. And notice what happens. First of all, there's a noise, there's a rattling, and the bones start coming together bone to bone. Now, here's what I want to I talk about. I, there's, there's a lot we could say about this, but I want you to notice that when he obeyed the Lord and he stepped out to engage in the process and to preach the word of the Lord and prophesy as he was commanded, something happened. And a lot of us, we're waiting, as I said, we're passively waiting, but we're not engaging in a process. We're not doing our part. And then we point at God and say, why aren't you doing what you said you would do? And the Lord wants us to understand that he has called us to a place of collaboration. It is a co-mission. A co-mission, meaning two individuals or two parties are coming together to do the mission. I love Mark 16, verse 20. It says that they went out, the apostles, and they preached everywhere. And then it says the Lord was working with them. Now, it doesn't say God was working for them. It doesn't say they were working for God. It says the Lord was working with. And then what it says is he, he worked with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders. So what happens is the church does its part. And as we do what God has called us to do, then guess what happens? God does what he said he would do. And this is a co-mission. This is a co-op. Work together doing what God wants done. So we prophesy as the prophet prophesies and we preach the word of the Lord. He prophesied as he was commanded. A lot of times today, and, and I'm just going to touch on this. I really don't have time to go into this, but I could really go quite deep into this. The point I'm trying to make is right now, there's not a lot of prophetic preaching that's going on with people that are preaching motivational speeches, people that are preaching pep talks and, and how to get your breakthrough and how to do this, but we're not prophesying, we're not preaching prophetically, and because we're not hearing the voice of God and preaching what he's saying to us in this season, we're not seeing the Spirit of God show up and back it up. God is not obliged to back up something he's not sanctioned. Guys, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need apostolic authority. We need prophetic power. Today, more than ever, this is what's going to awaken the church out of its lethargy, out of its lukewarmness, out of its complacency. And not having a heart for the lost, not engaging ourselves as a body, but just kind of like, man, I do my thing, and the church is struggling, and the church is not making gaining grounds. We're not making strides forward, and because we don't understand what the word of the Lord is, we got to get in His presence. We got to sit at his feet. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. What are you saying? 
And so Ezekiel prophesies as he was commanding, and then God moves. There's noise, rattling, and then bones start coming together bone to bone. Now, here's the point I want you to, to see, and I'm going to close with this. It says there was sinews and flesh that came upon them, and skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And then the prophet was told, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now, if the prophet prophesied life before the bones came together, the skin, the sinews, the flesh, he would have literally preempted what God was trying to do. There had to be a coming together. There had to be a coming together of bones. And so the point I'm trying to make is that, and, and I don't have time, I, I know what I'll do is I'll preach on the rest of this tomorrow morning, but I want to, I want to literally go into that place in Ephesians 4 where he talks about how as individuals, the body will grow and, and become healthy and strong and it will reproduce itself when each part of the body is connected, when each part of the body is in organic unity and functioning as God intended us to. And, and so I always ask this question, where are you? Are you part of the body or are you just a body part? You see, this body will never become whole, strong, fully functional if we just sold back, even as individuals. You're part of the body. What you are is very important, very vital. Together, we are better. We cannot be a body with just a few parts. We need each part to connect, to connect. We have people that are afraid to come into a relationship. We have people that are, they're, they're, I'm not going to church. I went to church for a while and I got hurt. And so they, we withdraw, we stay back because we don't want those type of relationships. Even with other leaders, I don't want to, you know, open my heart to another leader I don't want to reach out to another leader because I did that and man, they betrayed me and, and they, they didn't understand me and they didn't have the mind of Christ at all and, and I just felt like, you know, they, they weren't in it. They weren't even in it for me. They really didn't even care about me. It was all about them. Join my network so you, so I can become a, a big shot, so I can have money and I can do what God has called me to do. And, and there's no love and there's no pouring in and there's no capacity to help others grow and become who they are. But I'm telling you, this is a day when it's about to change. God is pouring out His Spirit. But before we see revival, there has to be reformation. Before we see a great move of God's Spirit, there has to be a coming together. It's not about one man or two people or a few great men and women of God. 
this great move of God is going to be predicated upon the body of Christ rising up, bone coming to bone, God's people coming to that place of connectivity, relationship, and community. And the focus is on giving Him glory and seeing His kingdom come and His will be done. And people set free and delivered and the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. This is the next move of God's Spirit. He who has an ear, let him hear. Lord, I'm busy. I can't do this. I'm busy. We need to be intentional. How do we connect? How we need to be intentional. We need to connect with one another. We need to connect locally. But we need to connect beyond that as well. You know, the enemy hates when God's people gather. You know that. He hates it. There's so many references in the New Testament to the, the words one another. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. So many t- examples of this. And what Bishop just preached on, John 17, Bishop, I was going to go right into all that. No need for me to do it. You covered it. You did a better job than I would have anyways. And ultimately, it's about this coming together as a body. See, we, we, we have this individualistic mindset in our Western cultures, right? I'm, I am the son of God. Actually, even though you are, you're part of a family. You know, I, I am, this is my gift. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. You're, you're part of the body. Apostles and prophets, it's not hierarchical. It, it's foundational. You see, it's about being something together, becoming this body. And before we're going to see the breath of God breathed out, this body needs to come together. This body needs to come together. Will you commit yourself to the process? Lord, I'll commit myself. Who am I? Come on, you can start asking God these questions. Who am I, Lord? How do I fit into your body? What's my role? Well, first of all, you're loved. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're part of a family. That's the first thing you need to know. You are called to greater intimacy and glory with him. It's not about what you do. The doing comes out of being and knowing and then we do certain things it's not about just showing up some people are showing up and they're not growing up we need to step into that place where we become everything that God has created us to be based on our identity and our intimacy with him then we live out and we step into our function into our role who are we in the body you have something to contribute to the body of Christ. Each one of us, we do. We cannot, we will not see what God wants to do until we step into that place. It's all about equipping. That word equipping can actually mean to bring into alignment. To bring into alignment. We need to come into alignment. Let's just stand together. I want to pray for you before we leave.
Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast.